welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finch. Amen. Well, we are in this series of mysteries. Uh, last, in fact, there's just two more because Connie and I are going to Israel. We got our tickets. <clears throat> And uh, we're excited about that. We leave on March the 11th. And uh, so this mystery series is going to go through March 4th. And then I'm, I'm cutting and leaving. So anyway, if you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to, first, to 2 Corinthians 5.17. We'll get there in a minute. 2 Corinthians 5.17. We're in this series called Mysteries. And in the New Testament, that word is mysterion. It means truth which human intellect could never discover, but now has been made known by divine revelation. It's not something the mind of man would have come up with, but it's a truth which must be revealed by God. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. This week we got a great example of uh, truth, of the mysterion, and the natural man. Any of you saw Joy Behar on The View, you may have seen the news article about that. Uh, she's a voice on The View, that, and they were making uh, response to Vice President Pence's Christian faith. And uh, he said that he heard Jesus speak to him, and Behar went into this, whatever you call it, mockery of saying he could understand talking to Jesus, but Jesus talking back would indicate mental illness. How many of you are mentally mentally ill? Yeah? Yeah? And here's the thing to realize that... uh, Jesus himself said, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. So I guess I'm mentally ill. And here's the point. Don't be surprised when the world doesn't understand. Because it's mystery. It's divinely revealed. Jesus gives his followers, his disciples, a promise in Matthew 13, 11. He says, it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. God wants to reveal to you truth that comes by only by divine revelation. Today, we want to look at the mystery of the new creation. The mystery of the new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now this morning we're going to look a lot, look in depth at a lot of words. Because let me tell you, I've discovered something. You can say something, you completely understand what you're saying and be misunderstood. How about that, guys? Right? Have you ever said it and you thought you said it in your best behavior? And it was totally misunderstood. And the point being that a lot of times... We hear words, but we don't receive, or we don't understand, or we don't get them in context. The words translated new creation is kanos katisis. You don't know if I pronounced that right or not. (laughs) Kanos 
means new in kind, unheard of, not known before. It's something that has come into being that was not present before. See, new, not in chronological, it's not in the newness in time, but newness in being, newness in kind, something that had never been seen before. And catesis, it means causing to exist that which did not exist before. New in kind, creation, something that has not existed before. How can you become someone you've never been before? Sounds like Nicodemus to me. John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, you th- it's kind of like Jesus missed the point of his flattery. In verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water physically and of the Spirit spiritually, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And then drop down to verse 9, it says, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus just ups the ante. Jesus said, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Gotcha. Verse 12. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? If you can't understand the natural, how are you going to understand and believe the spiritual? I don't know about you, but I tend to identify with Nick. How can these things be? If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. How, how can these things be? You must be born, if, born again. How can these things be? See, here's the thing I want you to understand. To understand the mystery of the new creation, being born again... I want us to go back to John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. We ended with it last week, but I want us to take it apart this morning. I, I, I want us to see it maybe like we've never seen it. John telling us, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, every word of those verses is absolutely important. And most of the time, here's our own familiarity with it breeds kind of complacency. In other words, it's okay if we don't understand, but but let me just tell you, God wants to give you revelation. You can be saved without it. Well, at least without full understanding, but you can't enjoy your salvation without the understanding. So what I want us to look at is these, these verses. This, 
there's an age-old question, and probably more with preachers than anybody else. This question, did God choose us to be saved? Or do we choose God to be saved? The answer is, yes. It's not either or. It's both and. And it's seen in these verses. So let's take a closer look at man's part and at God's part in this thing called the new creation. Being born from above. Man's part, very simply, according to the scripture, is believe and receive. Actually, the verse, the, the words, I, I, I changed them because in the verse it says receive and believe. You see, as many as received him, Jesus Christ, to those who believe in his name. That's man's part. But let me tell you this, the reason I changed them because you're not going to receive what you don't believe. So, let's start with believe. Pistuo. It's a Greek word that means to believe, to have faith. It's to consider something to be true and therefore worthy of one's trust. To entrust oneself to another in complete confidence. So what is considered true, worthy of trust, in complete confidence in this verse is His name. Those who believe in His name. Onoma. You see, in our day, our name is a, a kind of a tag of identification. And boy, have they gotten weird lately. I, 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 I'd hate to be a teacher trying to spell and explain some of these names. In the Old Testament, in the time of Jesus, the name stood for all that the person was. Character and accomplishment. So, to believe in the name, His name, it refers to believe in the totality of Christ's being. All that He is, all that He's done, all that He's doing, and all that He says. And here's the dilemma. Most people think you become a Christian by, by believing in His teaching. We call it truth. Well, I believe the truth. I believe that Jesus lived. I believe... And I, or to follow His teaching. And I want to tell you, that's not the case. To become a Christian is to means to completely trust in Christ the person, in who He is, and which includes what He did and what He said and what He's promised. All that He is. His name, Jesus, he was, the angel told Mary and Joseph to name Him Jesus because His name carried on what He's who He was, and what He was going to do, and what He was going to be talking about. Jesus means Jehovah saves, or Yahweh saves. Because He's going to save His people from their sin. This is more than just a mental, intellectual agreement. There's another word here that's in the Greek that's very important. And it's the little word in, or E-I-S in the Greek, which means into. We're to believe into His name. Not just believe the facts about Him, but into Him. 
Now, that doesn't go good with our English. But John, over a hundred, well, 98 times, I don't want to exaggerate. 98 times in John's gospel, he talks about believing. In fact, the last verse of John's gospel says, These things were written that you might believe in Him. Into Him. And by, by believing, you might be saved. But here's the point. You're to believe into His name. Into the person of Jesus Christ and all that He is. Well, how do you, how do you believe into? Into. You see, every time, usually John, when he uses the word believe, he has a, another preposition with it. Sometimes it's in, E-N. Sometimes it's E-I-S, into, like here. And sometimes it's E-P-I-Epi, which means upon. So, to believe, to have biblical faith, you're believing in, into, or upon Jesus Christ. That sounds good. What's that mean? Let's see if I can show you. You've seen this illustration before, but I'll... Can you all see me down here? Everybody see me down here, or do I need to go up? I'll go up. I got a chair. Now, here's the thing I want you to know. I have complete belief that this is a chair. Duh. No, I mean, I intellectually and mentally understand that when my eyes see this, I see a chair. I, I understand its purpose. I know why it's here. I know, and, and if I was really intellectual, I could tell you about the, the physics and the, the I, don't, I don't know what other terms I could use because I'm not intellectual. But if I, I could tell you, I could explain, I could talk about its weight properties. I could tell you about what it could, could do and what it could, in other words, I can understand and believe the proper things all about this chair. I can believe it. I can intellectually explain it. But I'm not believing into it. You see, this chair, I can tell you what its purpose is. I can tell you how it can be used. But it's not until I let the chair be to me what it was created to be. And I, I set my whole weight, and I rest my entire weight into, upon, in the chair. You understand? So, biblical faith is not believing the right things or the right teachings or believing even the truth. You can have a mental intellectual assent to all of those things and not have biblical faith. Biblical faith is when I lay the whole weight of who I am upon Him in whom I trust, who is Jesus Christ. I trust Him to hold me up. This chair, I believe, will hold me up. I believe it will hold me up, but it's not until I believe into it that I allow it to hold me up. That it becomes what the chair was intended to be for me. The same thing is true... I can believe all about Jesus, all about God. I can tell you all the truths. I can have memorized it. I can quote the verses. I can do that. But it's not until I lay the whole weight of my being into Christ and I trust Him to be worthy and trustworthy for me. Then that does something. Now, I believe it. Now, go back to the first. 
And so I receive. That word receive is lambano. In other words, I accept, I take, I receive it. Now here's a good point. The aorist tense, that word lambano in that verse is aorist tense, which means at a moment in time when I believed in Jesus, and it's in the active voice, which implies that it was a volitional choice. There was a moment in time where I had the revelation of who Jesus is. I know what he did on the cross for me. I know who he is. I know his resurrection, and I know he's seated at the right hand of the Father. I know all that he is, and I trust him. And I lay the whole weight of my life. I make a volitional choice to lay the whole weight of my being upon or to him. I receive him. You hear people say, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Let me tell you, you haven't until you've rested the whole weight of your being into the person of Jesus Christ. Now, all of that is the only, it's just a little bit, that's all that I have to do with salvation. I trust and rely on another. That's my only part. I say, well... That sounds too simple. How do you receive it? You receive it. Connie, stand up. Turn around. You're so pretty this morning. <laughs> would, you, would you tell me what her full name is? <laughs> Connie Sue Feimster, right? How many of you know her as Connie Sue Feimster? Nobody knows you, Connie. <laughs> Nobody knows you. Well, she has not always been Connie Feimster. You see, on July 6th, 1973, she became Connie Feimster. Before that time, she was known by everybody as Connie Sue Bearden. Right? But on July 6th, 1973, she stood before a preacher, and the preacher said, Connie Bearden... Do you take this man, Daryl Feimster, to be your lawful and wedded husband? Do you, will you honor and obey him? It was in our vows. <laughs> and, and at the end of those vows, we'll just let it linger there. At the end of those vows, she said... Yeah. <laughs> And in that moment, listen to me, in that moment that she made the volitional choice to trust another, her name was changed. She was no longer what she used to be. Now she became my wife and the two of us became what we had never been before, one flesh in God's eyes. So the whole point that I'm wanting you to see is by the volition, she received me to be her husband. I received her to be my wife. And we become, it's called the mystery of the church. How Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And a man shall leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife. So, thank you. Isn't she pretty? Yeah. So, it's not just believing, but it's receiving. It's saying yes. It's saying I will. It's saying I do. It's receiving 
Christ, the person and all that he was intended to be for us and in us and through us. So receive. That's man's part. That's all that man has to do with it. And I want to tell you, you're, this, is, this is getting exciting to me. I get excited. When it's, now, I want us to look at God's part. As many as received him, even to those who believe on his, in his name, into his name. Look at verse 12 again. To them he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He gave, did on me, to give... Now listen, to give based on a decision of the will of the giver without any merit of the recipient. When I believed and received, God gave me, had nothing to do with me or my worthiness or my, even my believing. It, the believing was my acceptance of what he was about to give me. Well, when did it, did, did he give it before you believed? Doesn't matter. He gave it. He gave it. In fact, I believe he gave it when Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the grave and ascended back to the Father. We'll talk about that in a minute. He gave it. It had nothing to do with the merit of the receiver. Well, what did he give me? He gave me the right. Exousia. This word means the legitimate, rightful authority. Now listen to this. Derived from a competent source, which includes the idea of power. God, by his own power, gave me the legitimate authority or right to become. To become, genomai. To come, that word means to come into existence. It didn't mean just to become, but to come into existence. To cause or to become or to come into being, which signifies a change of condition, state, or place. God gave, with no merit of my own, the right, legitimate, rightful authority by His power to become, to become into existence, to become something that changed the condition, state, or place of my life. And genomai is the root of the verb geneo, which means to beget or to give birth, to produce offspring. We get our word, uh, English word generate from it. To become describes an instantaneous intervention, decisive and at a moment or point in time that we are given the right and the privilege and the authority to be the children of God. That word children is technon, which literally means born ones. Born ones. When I receive and believe, when I believe and receive, God gives me the legitimate authority to come into existence, to be birthed a child of God. And then he goes on, who were born, geneo, begotten, who were born, we were begotten. It's a funny thing about Scripture. In Scripture, women bear children, and fathers, men, beget children. Here is the word beget. 
In other words, I am birthed, I come into being by the power of the Father. Begotten, I was born, begotten, not of blood, not of physical descent. It had nothing to do with heredity. Your grandfather may have been an awesome Christian. And you may have 14 preachers in your family tree. But according to this verse, none of that makes a bit of difference because birth into God's family is not passed on genetically. Not of blood. Literally, the word here, blood, is bloods. Not of bloods. It's not by heredity. You're not born by heredity. You're not born by the will of the flesh. In other words, you're not born by your own personal determination, choice, or inclination. You can't study yourself into becoming a child of God. You can't wake up in the morning and say, hey, I think today I'll become a child of God. You know, you hear people say, well, everybody's children of God. No, everybody has been created by God. But you only become a child of God by birth. Rebirth. Born from above. Born of God. In other words, you don't just decide when and if you're going to be a child of God. Nor of the will of man. This means the determination or choice of another person or a man-made system. Now, don't, don't be offended at this, but you've got to see it. My parents could have decided to baptize me as an infant. But that did not make me a child of God. Because that was the will of their, that was the will of their, they, them, of my parents. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, it was not the will of man. It's not by the will of man, nor by the will of man, or by man-made systems. You're not, you don't become a child of God by keeping the rules, by obeying the Ten Commandments. You don't become a child of God by any of those things because you have to be birthed into becoming something you've never been before. A new creation. I may use... <laughs> All of my strength of character to live a good life. I may perform religious duties. I may achieve spiritual goals. But these things will not impart new life. It takes a birth. A becoming. And we are born not of bloods, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but out of God. It's a divine work. Theos, the supreme being Jehovah, the eternal and infinite spirit, the one who is perfect in power, wisdom and goodness, who is worshipped as the creator and the sovereign ruler of this universe. He birthed me into his kingdom. You're not near as excited about Zion. And I still hear Nicodemus in the back of my head saying, yeah, but how? How? You see, most of us give a mental assent to all of this. But we don't have a clue of how it does. So I want you to turn to 1 Peter 1.23. It's going to be on the screen. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. 
The Amplified says it this way. You have been regenerated. That's Ganeo. You've been regenerated. Born again. Not from a mortal origin, seed or sperm, but from one that is immortal by the ever-living and lasting Word of God. Now, when you were born, none of you were born by your choice. Right? You were born, hopefully, by mom and dad's choice. Some of you were surprises. But you had nothing to do with it. Except that, like me, I decided to live with my folks until I was 18. I would have lived longer there, but they thought I was through. I came into being by a corruptible seed. By a corruptible seed, it means a seed that the moment I was born, I started to die. Why? Because I was born in Adam. Okay? And in Adam, all die. Corinthians tells us. I was born by a corruptible seed. This scripture says, but I've been regenerated, born again, by an incorruptible implied seed. Incorruptible means that it's going to last forever. There's not anything that can take it away. But it says this, by the ever-living and lasting Word of God. Now, please don't see that as being Bible. Okay, the Word of God is more than the Bible. The Word of God is, let me say, how did God create the heavens? In the beginning, God created, and He said, let there be, and He said. The Word of God, before it was written down, was spoken by the Creator. Okay, so the Word is the outgoing of the will of God expressed and when he expresses it, something comes into being. We came into being by the, bre- the word, the breath of God. Now, <laughs> when you were born of your parents, you became the offspring of their DNA. The genetic instruction that determined who you were. But when you were born, when 23 chromosomes of your mother and 23 chromosomes of your father came into being and that began to develop you, your DNA became uniquely you. There's not another one like you. Your DNA, that combination, became a creation that was uniquely, completely unique from everybody else. And it's still, still writing your number. I mean, your number is already there. Okay? But simply because you were of a mortal seed. Now, what God does is He takes your humanity and He connects His DNA to you. And you become something you've never been before. You become a partaker 
of His divine nature. You become a technon, born of God. You were born of an incorruptible seed, the seed of God which lives and abides forever. Well, what does that mean? When you were born again, you became someone you've never been before with the very DNA of God. Let me see if I can explain it to you. When, you remember when the angel told Mary, the Virgin Mary, you're going to have a baby? And she says, how can that be? Because I've never known a man. And the angel said, the Spirit of God is going to descend upon you and you will become pregnant, basically. You will become with child and you will call his name Jesus. Okay? Here's the thing. And she says, how can it be since I've never known a man? And the angel says to her, with God, nothing is impossible. That's what King James says. With God, nothing is impossible. But if you take it back to the Greek language, it says no word of God is without power. The word came upon Mary and she became pregnant with Jesus. The DNA of Jesus was of the Father. And the mother. And he became a unique creation. No, he wasn't created. He, he became flesh and blood. Alright? You say, well, preacher, this is way too deep for me. No, it's not. Because what I want you to see is when you... By believing in the person of Jesus Christ and by your will sit down and trust Him at that moment, at that moment in time, God spoke the Word and you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away and everything became new. You became someone you've never been before. We don't realize what happened when we believed in Jesus. We think about sins being forgiven. Our name written in the book of life, which means that we're going to go to heaven when we die. Folks, listen, it was so much more than that. We were real life, born again, born anew, born from above. Last week, we talked about when Jesus, we talked about Jesus being fully God and fully man. And so when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was raised from the dead, the man, Jesus Christ, in a glorified body. But he was the man, Jesus Christ. When he ascended back to the Father, humanity ascended with him. And Jesus made a way for all humanity to be joined back to the Father. And that humanity, listen, it gets better. Now, thanks to Jesus, I can be seated with Him in the heavenlies by my relationship with Him. It's even better than that. He opened the way for us to become Technon, born ones of God, born of God, birthed into a new creation. He took our humanity into the realm of the Godhead. Well, what does that mean? 
When I believed and received Jesus Christ, I was literally born from above. God's life, His DNA was lifed in me. His very Spirit came to live and give life to me. I have the blueprints of what God intends for mankind written in my spirit. I became a new creation, God's masterpiece, created for good works, which He planned before that I should walk, walk in them. I wasn't refurbished. I wasn't reworked. I didn't turn over a new leaf. I was given a brand new life. I became someone I had never been before, born of God. When I laid the whole weight of my life on Jesus and what He had accomplished for me, God joined my humanity in Christ. I was brought into a living union with Christ. You'll see it in Scripture. The the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Father, Jesus said, those that love me, my Father and I will come and make our home with you. We were joined in a living union with Christ. A follower of Christ has such a spiritual union with Christ that the Bible says that our life is hid with Christ in God. Colossians 3, 3. That Christ is Himself our life. Colossians 3, 4. In Him, in union with Him, we've been made complete. Colossians 2.10 Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is ours in Christ Jesus in union with Him. Our union with Christ is such that we are seated in heavenly places in union with Christ Jesus. I am a branch of the divine vine. That's who you are. Birthed. My part is to lay the whole weight of my life and my being on the reality of Jesus Christ. Who He is. What He's said. What He's accomplished. What He's promised. What He's doing. I don't trust in what I can do. I trust in what He can do. Okay? And I said, I will. I receive it. I take it. That's all I have to do with it. And that moment I did that, God gave, with no merit of my own, me the right, the legitimate authority with power to become, to come into existence in Him, born, birthed by God Himself. It wasn't what I chose. It wasn't what somebody else chose. It's what God Himself did for me. Then it only leaves one question. You go back to the first verse. Are you one of the as many as? As many as received. As many as believed. To them. Not everybody. To them. The as many as is the whosoever will. Do you will? You don't make it happen. It's already prepared for. You just take what's already happened and take it for yourself. And when you do, at that instant, God does the work. You become 
a new creation. Born from above. Someone you've never been before. You say, preacher, I've done that. Then why are we living like orphans when we've been birthed children of God? Why do we let the enemy deceive us and confuse us and rob us of our right to set in the finished work of Christ in union with Him? Listen, that's how Jesus could say to us, greater works than these shall you do. Because I go to the Father. Why do we settle for so much less when God made us new creations? Because we need the revelation of the new creation. Do you know Him? I don't mean do you know what He did. I don't mean do you know, you know why, he's, why He came, why He died, why He rose. No, that's not, I'm not talking about having an intellectual understanding of who Jesus is. I said, do you know Him? Have you laid the whole weight of your life on the reality of Jesus Christ and said, I will. Yes. If you have, God, by His own supreme power, has recreated you a new creation. You get the opportunity to spend the rest of your life discovering who He made you to be. Uniquely you with the DNA of the Father. God doesn't make copies. He makes creations. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Worship Him. Praise Him. Are you in the as many as? Would you pray with me? Father, we bless You and we thank You. Thank You for Your faithfulness and Your goodness. Thank You for what You have accomplished. But God, I pray this morning for revelation. I pray for the Holy Spirit to turn the light on and let people receive the reality of what you can do. Make them new creations this morning. A new kind of being who has never been seen before. And Lord, let us live in the light of of that revelation. Lord, I'm going to live like a new man because I receive Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage and strengthen and do in us what you've chosen and created us for. We trust you. We look to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.